episode 22 of LOI Weekly and what an unbelievable week of football we've had and are likely going to have with Dundalk on the cusp of getting into the Europa League, something that very rarely, if ever happens for Irish clubs, it happened to Shamrock Rovers, it happened to Dundalk, will it happen again? This is Johnny Ward and Daniel McDonald. We're going to have Colin Hawkins on the show discussing his career and what he's up to nowadays. Some very interesting uh, developments of Colin's career post-football and we'll reflect on his days playing for, uh, obviously, Ireland underage and St. Patrick's Athletic, one of the very many very talented Galway players who did not play for Galway United. Dan Kelly spoke to Dan as well after the Shamrock Rovers-Dundalk game. And we have a very special guest, Casper Niesgaard, who is a Danish-based Faroese football nut, uh, who's going to go over what he expects of Ka Oi against Dundalk on Friday. Who, uh, sorry? Who's that? Ka Oi. I've been working on uh, how to pronounce is it. Is that like the George pronunciation? Hamilton. Yeah. It sounds a bit like that, uh, that, that Danish beer I love, Dan, World Domination, uh, yeah. which is Ka Oi, I think. Ka Oi, yeah. Um, yeah. Also known as Klaxvik. K.I. Klaxvik, I think. But Dundalk's opponents on Thursday night at the Aviva Stadium. And it is a one-legged tie from which one of these teams, and one of these teams is from a town of 5,000 people, will get to the Europa League group stages. As well as all of that, Dan, we have a few things to talk about in the League of Ireland, a mad first division campaign. And we have Jack Byrne back in the Ireland squad after his goals, his goals rather, against Dundalk on Sunday. So sometimes I say it's a packed show and maybe it isn't, but this one is. Yeah, I think like Sunday in Oriel was sort of a curious one. Like it's been a weird all week, really. All right, I suppose when you think about it, that um, you know when we did our special show, sort of seconds after the final whistle in the Selly game, and I think you know it's the classic. If you'd said then, if you'd said then that uh, this would be a year where Dundalk would would qualify um, for Europa League football, I think you would have. Uh, I think it would have been a fair bit of derision, all right. But they now have a really good chance to do it. Um, now, I've done a fair bit of research on uh, our Ka'oi, and I'm looking forward to hearing a bit more about wow. them. Just to um, note that, half 12 last night, you're sending on scouting reports. I was impressed. I, will, I know. Well, I watched eight minutes on YouTube of the mm. Tbilisi game. It's not exaggerated. It wasn't a scouting report. It was just a YouTube clip. But, um, you know, it was just a break from CNN for like five minutes. But it was... Yeah. It was like it, it's something that I think there's a there's a, obviously I think in the aftermath of the game against Sheriff there was probably uh, there was the outpouring actually like you win a penalty shootout against a team that's that was supposed to be better than it was and still you know still have their pedigree in European football is like un, unquestioned you know mm. like it was in the they had they have you know they they have a 152 100 million euro stadium so they would have expected most people would have expected. Uh, Sheriff to beat the dogs. So we're thinking the aftermath of, I suppose, you know, the exhilaration of, of the victory and all that comes with it. Uh, and then the reports coming through from the Pharaohs, people are talking about, well, that's it, they're going to qualify. I think the whole job since then has been probably to, to temper that. But we, yeah. Yeah, like, we will discuss that a bit. But I think that was the weird thing about Sunday in, in Oreo, because it sort of brings a couple of stories together that you, you, um, but this really should have been a like a, a catastrophic night for Dundalk, really, that you, you have Shamrock Rovers, the champions elect, probably whatever happened on Sunday. I think, you know, it was it was probably the dog weren't catching them. Um but they, you know, they, they come to your patch, like they win four 0 Jack Byrne's great, Stephen Kenny's there. I think Jack's back in the Ireland squad because of how he played against Milan, not because of how he played against the dog on Sunday, but no doubt it helped. Um and yet um this 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 scenario that like 
you know, this is the, the passing of the torch, the changing of the guard um, and all the language that goes with it. That's now actually been placed on hold a bit because if the Dolphins can somehow win on Thursday, then it saves their year. It saves, you know, saves a couple of years. Um, doesn't get rid of some of the issues that exist behind the scenes, but I think it, it gives them an opportunity to take stock. And like last week, Graham Gartland was on this show talking about Rovers dominating for the next three, four years. Completely see where he was coming from. Mm. Um, I think before last Thursday, uh, I think it was a fair point of view. It may well still turn out to be accurate, but I think what Dundalk have is a chance um, to avoid. Uh, they were on a slippy, slippy slope downwards, you know, they were, and they were sliding. And this is almost like there's a ledge here where they can sort of put out their hand and, and get some balance and see what happens. Um, and that's just like, that's the broader picture stuff, the bigger picture stuff, as you mentioned, like, like only, only, it's only happened twice before that an Irish club has been in, in club, you know, group stage competition and all the other near misses, they were massive underdogs. So to have an Irish team favourite to get into group stages, it's surreal, particularly when that club has been all over the shop this year. Normally, normally these, these European runs are, are like a tale of triumph and, and steadily building towards something. Like you think 2011 and 2016, you know, with Kenny and, and Michael O'Neill, like they were stage, you know, they were part of a plan, the building blocks towards it. This is sort of off the wall, really, but maybe it's, just 20, it's 2020. It's, um, it's uh, maybe a perfect story for this year. I suppose, yeah, just the, the fact that how the Pharaohs have gotten here with the Sloven Bratislava COVID situation and then the amazing win over uh, Tbilisi, uh, just to knock have gotten a real out here. They're, they're 17 points behind Shamrock Rovers in the league after the game, and it will be interesting. We, we will talk about all that uh, in terms of their performance in Sheriff and the, the coolness of the Dundalk players and the penalty shootout was, was I don't know, Dan, I, that, that was definitely something, something very impressive, uh, but... I think I think there's no doubt that experience was apparent. We've had Big a bit time. of a we've had a bit of an off-air discussion about this. I know Sheriff were disappointed. I think Chris Shield spoke very well about them on Friday. Um, that you know that they they're basically a, a team that that the whole business plan lends itself to like players just coming in. People would call them mercenaries, but you know all footballers will follow money to a degree. But yeah. their but their model is very much like you get players in, you get them out. There's a real turnover. And they're not really like a united team. And that's what they look like. I have no doubt some of those players that, that the team didn't look great the other night, but I've no doubt there's probably a couple of players. You never know. They could pop up in good places. In, I agree. In, in, in but, years but, to come. But they, they completely bottled it and they fouled as if like, they, when they went 1-0 up, their attitude was incredible. It was right. No, it was, it, was, it was extraordinary. But I think you have to give some credit to the opposition as well. Absolutely. Because what it showed was their experience. That, Absolutely. And the penalties, okay. Penalty, that's execution, that's skill. But I think there was an experience in how Dundalk played that showed that this wasn't their first rodeo. This wasn't their first away game in Europe. And they sort of managed the reaction to going behind reasonably well. You also made a good point where you said we were both at the game against FH in Iceland when like, that wasn't overly impressive as well. They got over the line. They got into playing you know, yeah. into the next leg. There's massive like- luck involved in, in all. Now, this is, there's no doubt that the draw has been favourable. Um, you can't just like you're you're ignoring reality to 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 not say that. Like, of course, that's the case, but you still also have to capitalise on it too. We've lots of near misses in our recent um, football history, you know, in this country, you know, and mm. like 
you, you, you see that the door can be open, but you still have to sort of walk through it. And um, we're not a big enough league uh, to be blasé about a team, for example, winning back-to-back away in Europe on successive Thursdays and trying to win three ties in a row. Like, I don't think any League of Ireland club has ever won three ties in one European run. Now, yeah, of course, the draw has been very favourable. Um, but you still have to do it. And, like, it's, it's mad. Like, it's just so surreal that this is such a big game. And we'll, we'll move on to uh, our, our guests now who can give us a bit of an insight because, you know, um, I've, I've been following, like, the, the, the social media stuff from, say, the Pharaohs. Like, how big is it for them? This is, like... This is a town of 5,000 people. Off the chart stuff. Yeah. And, like, you look at all the other ties in that playoff stage. And, like, what it does, and Stephen Bradley spoke about the other day, like... You know, this, this is all about the champions route and what can happen but even within the champions route the back door you, you mentioned the Bratislava COVID situation although Bratislava did lose to the Finnish champions on penalties so maybe they weren't all that this year um, but the, 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 the point is that like all the other ties would, con- would contain at least one for the heavyweight of sorts you know um, or even okay there's a couple of ties that maybe aren't that strong but still there's nothing Nothing like this one. And like in this year with no fans able to go, like it really is surreal. They keep using that word about a lot of things in our life right now. But like this is a madly important game that is going to be played in a big empty national stadium. Mm. Maybe like, you know, 30 to 50 media, you know, stewards and various other people. Um, and I, the enormity of it, like you, I feel like you're going to have to explain it. I almost feel like people are, are complacent of almost about what the, the the enormity of the game because maybe of the opposition, but like yeah. just the, the the sheer scale of what could be what it means to like it doesn't it's just it's it's never going to be a thing where oh uh, an Irish club has qualified for the group stages that's just not a normal thing that we do. I'm pretty sure, in fact, there would have been discussions in recent times. We think oh, it's going to be a long time before that happens again, and we would have said it pretty casually, and yet. It just goes to show how quickly things can, can change if, if a couple of things fall your way. But I spoke to Dan Kelly before we move on to, uh, to Casper. I spoke yeah. to Dan Kelly. Um, in, um, before, before I get to that, I should mention there's a lot of land Dan, our sponsors, where you find all the odds and special bets. And the reason I mention this as well, um, if you look up the betting for this game, this is not, and this is across the football markets, this is not a formality. It's, 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 it, 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 if you were back in... Uh, against Dundalk and you were backing a horse at the same price, you wouldn't be surprised if all of it won. So there is a bit of caution there that this isn't over the line. And I no. you know, Dundalk will be... Dundalk, I think Dundalk players will realise, you know, when they think of maybe potential bonuses as well, they'll be thinking, this is just an unbelievable opportunity for us to be on that stage again. Check out lotoland.e.sportsbook. Make sure to stay tuned. We'll be giving out some of your LOI specials uh, during the show. And you'll find us on Podcast Republic, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, at LOI Weekly on Twitter, in association with Airsport and Independent.ie. And Dan, as you mentioned, you spoke to your namesake, Kelly, uh, after the game on Sunday. I did, yeah. I suppose one of the players has probably been in that sort of... Uh, you know, fringe player territory this year, but he did get a good involvement in uh, in the game on Thursday in Transnistria, and I suppose uh, he put himself in the shake-up to, f- to figure again. So yeah, I had a chat with Dan Kelly after the game. It's been a, it was a strange old week for everyone at the club. I mean, it's uh, tonight arrived off the back of probably the emotions of Thursday night. Like, how how did you find it yourself? Oh, it's been a very emotional week. I think uh, we got a great result, obviously, come, uh, last Thursday, and I think... Going into the game, it was it was always going to be tough, but we knew we fancy our chances against the, a team that that bring in a lot and let go a lot. So I don't think they've had the, the 
the team as much as we have the, the togetherness as us. So uh, it was good, obviously, to, to get through the way we did. It was a bit of a... Everybody was nervous at the end, but uh, it was great to get through. And obviously tonight, it's it's not gone away. We've we've made a lot of changes, and I th I don't think a lot of us have played together. So it was always going to going to be hard to gel straight away. But uh, listen, it's I don't I think the league was over anyways. But obviously, it's not great to be losing at home to four 0 especially to Rovers. It's sort of handsome the league now, definitely. But uh, we need to just knock that on the head now and look forward to Thursday. I mean. Thursday is so big. It's the way things have been the last couple of months. It does seem slightly surreal to be talking about it. I don't know how it feels inside the camp that all of a sudden you're on the cusp of emulating 2016, which is obviously this magic year that keeps getting mentioned. And now you have a chance. Yeah, a big chance. Yeah, I think uh, coming into the club, I knew from 2016 the lads done an unbelievable job to get there to the group stages. But uh, <coughs> we knew we had a chance at the start of the year with the. The look, like it's all about the look of the draw. I think we got a bit of luck. I think this gang probably would have lost to Slovan. They had the, the walk over then three 0 so we probably would have been playing Slovan realistically. But uh, I think a lot of luck has gone our way in terms of the draw this year. But uh, listen, it's not it's not going to be an easy game. I know a lot of people are sort of saying we're true already. But listen, this gang has won five one in the last round, so we're not going to be taking <coughs> taking our foot off the gas. We need to just be ready and and just hope for the best and come towards it. Then it'll be a celebration, hopefully. How was the, the trip home on Thursday night? I mean, like to be, like everyone has seen the, the footage of the post-match stuff, and it's like they must be the sweetest, the sweetest journeys, you know, ah, the sweetest moments after. Ah, absolutely. Listen, when I came in last year when we won the penalty shootout in Riga, I thought that was unbelievable. But this time round, it was just absolutely insane. It was just all the lads were absolutely buzzing. The two lads, Filippo and. Giuseppe, I think Giuseppe's an absolute headbanger, so he came in, run them up in the dressing room a few minutes after everybody has already ran them up. But uh, listen, the two lads have been great since they came in. The plane journey on the way home, everybody's buzzing, thinking, everybody talking about next Thursday. I know we still had Rovers, but I think the minds were still on next Thursday. But listen, mm. we're professionals, so we should have been a lot better tonight than what we what we were. But uh, listen, come Thursday now, hopefully uh, everything goes well. Where were you in the penalty list? Did you have a number? I think I was sixth or seventh, so the legs were gone now. Thank God I didn't have to take them, but uh, I know where Shields, he normally he can rely on Chris, and uh, thankfully he slotted it in, and celebrations were amazing. What, what, what was it like for you? I mean, you haven't maybe played as much at times, I'm sure, as you, you would have liked, like anyone who hasn't been starting every week, but you, you did get to play a good role in the game. You actually got to, got to make an impact. Yeah, listen, since <clears throat> I think, uh, since Filippo's come in, he's, he knows what, what I can do and stuff. Sometimes it the way I am the type of player I am sort of goes against me in terms of a lot of managers see me as, as coming on especially this this time around this year because the squad is even so better again than what we had last year so at the moment he likes to bring me off the bench because the lads the team that were playing their legs sort of caving in a bit so with me on the bench he thinks that uh, I can cause a lot of problems when I come on which which is good listen I love once I, I can get on the pitch it's, it's great but uh Hopefully now come towards the East, the Aviva might suit me a bit better mm. in terms of if we had to play it in Oriel, it's sort of, the pitch isn't great, it's a bit narrow, but Aviva I think suits me and even last year when we when I came on in the final, I thought I'd done okay, I think the big pitch suits me, so hopefully yeah. come, come towards now uh, I can get the start. Uh, I, I mean, I did speak to a couple of people after Thursday and they even said the celebrations, like after all the maybe attention and publicity around mm. what maybe hasn't been going great, that uh, just have that release and for, it seems like they've that Filippo and, and Giuseppe have, have somehow got got things going in that group again. Yeah, listen, there was, there was a lot of stuff that went on behind the scenes. There was a lot of 
there was a lot of madness that went on. Us players just had to deal with it, I suppose. And when the two lads came in, there was just a, a real energy about them. The training's been really good. It just, pro I think everybody was more positive. There was uh, everybody was just at it in training because we knew we needed to impress. They, everybody was getting sort of a free run. We knew that. He didn't know anything about the league really, he didn't know yeah. a lot of players, so it was just everybody in for themselves really to, to try and get on the team sheet. And listen, the the response since they've come in has been unbelievable. Uh, that's our, obviously our first loss now since they came in, but it's been a, they've been a breath of fresh air really. And uh, I think everybody just wants to work hard for them because I don't think when they did come in, I think they, a lot of got, they got a lot of disrespect off a lot of people. Yeah. And uh, he said that himself, so we stuck by him and he stuck by us, so uh, we want to do it for them as well, really, on Thursday. Have you got any family members you can figure out vantage points to get a look at? It's, it's not really ideal. You have one side of the pitch which is a bit low, but I don't know how you can I know. really get Usually because of have thousands of cousins in rings end, but my uncle is a steward, so he's asked his boss now, can he work on Thursday? I just give him the go-ahead, so I'm sure I'll see him at some stage. But uh, my dad used to work in the Aviva now. I don't know whether he'll try Cunder up something and try work his way in, but... Uh, Listen, they'll be watching anyway, and uh, I'm sure everybody will be behind us, especially in the league, hopefully. Don't forget to visit lotterland.ie forward slash sportsbook. You'll find all the odds and weekly special bets for the Europa League and SC or Tristy Premier Division. This week, Lotterland has two special Europa League prize boosts. We're back in Dundalk minus one. That's Dundalk to win by two goals or more uh, from six to four to two to one. And for what it's worth, I would probably back that. I think they'll do the job. And they'll do it once they go ahead. I think they'll do it comfortably. Uh, but you may disagree. And you can also back Europa League double of Dundalk and Celtic. Both to win in 90 minutes. That was 2.11. Now boosted to 6-4. to four. That's Atlanta uh, Forest Glass Sportsbook. So, yeah, Johnny, I mean, I think even Dan Caddy alluded to it there. I think he, he, even himself, he's sort of, he can't help but sort of talk about, well, the, you know, the, the, the opponent that they're playing this Thursday. That it's... it's not what, what they would have expected at this stage. And I think that that thought is naturally there with probably anyone that's involved with Dundalk, but they also have to check themselves to realise that like, this is clearly, uh, you know, they're clearly facing an opponent that while the general public may not hear, may not necessarily know much about them and possibly may not even have a huge amount of respect for them because mm -hmm. of where they're from, that you have to be very aware of their opposition. So, They've been doing their homework. I know that Dundalk have been doing loads of homework. I think Shane Keegan was going to be watching five hours a day uh, as part of preparation. But we've decided to do some homework too. Well, this is the thing. I mean, one of my favourite parts of last year was you getting these like very erudite, if somewhat obscure characters from like Eastern Europe. You had, you had the guy from Azerbaijan was one. Who was the other one? We had the, we had the Latvian football expert who called the Riga Dundalk game perfectly in terms of what yeah. type of game it would be so, so there is massive pressure on Casper Niesgaard who runs basically a Faroese football Twitter handle which has as many followers almost as the people that live in the town of the opponents that Dundalk are playing I want to know everything about the, I want to know everything about Faroese football I want to know everything about this team and I want to know is it true what I read on Wikipedia Casper that the main brewery for the Faroe Islands is actually in this town yeah that's um that's spot on. So Dan, Dan yeah. this just goes down as another horrible away trip that's been missed. Another amazing trip to. A well, I was in the long. Faroes in twenty sixteen or twenty twelve. It's a long did you time. Like it? I did. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, we went into um some local hostelry in uh in the Faroes, and of course they spoke very fondly of Brian Kerr because they had great <laughs> memories of Brian Kerr, and uh, some locals who would uh I think they come in off a ship or something. They had great tales about uh. Brian Kerr, not, not so much about Johnny Mack, but I can only assume they, 
they held him in, in high regard. But um, well, well, screw your games between Milan and uh, Barcelona and all that. When you when you have games at this level where you have these places that you're probably never going to visit otherwise, I looked up the website, Casper. I looked rather looked up Wikipedia. What a beautiful little town! Oh, from um, yeah, obviously I'm I'm Danish, but I've been in the Town for quite a while. So um, you're not. How did you get into Faroese football? It's become a big passion of you. You're a young man as well, so you've you've your whole life ahead of you. Whereas we've obviously big futures behind us. You have a good life ahead of you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I sat down in my teenage room as a 14 year old kid and just looked at um looked at pictures from um from the Faroe Islands and um. And you know, combine that fascination about the country with football. Then uh, I just started to run it um, in Danish, and then they beat Greece away one nil. Wow! And yeah. then it exploded. This is, like I watched. Uh, I watched one of your teams, Runiak, play um, against Ballymena last year, and I was taken by the standard of the team because how like how do you produce a league of that quality with such a small population of people? Yeah, it's. It's quite funny. I mean, we um, it's hard to compare the leagues, obviously, but but if we should compare a team like uh, Koei, KI, um, then it would be in the middle of the second best division in Denmark. Um, so it's it's fun to see, you know, players from also from Denmark coming to uh, to Feyre and um, and yeah, be a star there. <laughs> it's um, it's quite interesting. So tell us, Casper, like what is what does this mean to football in the Faroe Islands, this game? Like I, I've seen your your tweets and, and like you're doing like a countdown, you know, two day countdown and, and it's clear like the, the football community are very excited. Like what could this game mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's I don't even know how to explain it. It's that big. <laughs> it's um yeah. I mean, if if we just um, talk about the the game uh, they played against the Dinamo here recently, I mean, after the game at eleven at night, uh, around four to six hundred people went to the Clarksvik Stadium because they played in Torsan. They went to greet the team uh, and welcoming them home, like with flares and songs. It's it's that big. It's really big. Mm, because football in the in the Faroes. Like hasn't it wasn't dramatically affected by the pandemic. It started back quite early, right? It started back maybe the first. I was reading that the games in the Faroes were even broadcast on television in sort of Norway and Sweden and Denmark because football yeah. was back there pretty early, right? Yeah, it. I think it was the South Korean league, and then it was ours. Mm. Uh, yeah, to re restart. But but I mean, as a result, they've had a busy season though. You know, for Claxvik, for, for it's been a, a full season, unlike maybe other leagues in, in Europe. Yeah, uh, agreed, yeah. And then, then there was a small, um, a small um, uh, summer break, and then now we are back at, a, at the finishing, um, finishing month. We finish in, in early November also mm. because of the weather. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, it's the final race. So what is the feeling about the game on Thursday? Because I'm sure you know, like over here, people are talking about my, like, you know, the Irish side is playing a team from the Faroes. They have a chance to qualify in the playoff round by playing a team from the Faroes. But mm. I guess I'm guessing from the other side, 
Claxvik uh, are probably not unhappy to be facing Dundalk as opposed to, I don't know, Karabag or Legia Warsaw or someone like that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The only um, thing we uh, we wanted was to have it at home, but um, but but an away game at um, at the big stadium in Dublin that's uh, that's definitely um, a reasonable chance to uh, to go through. Dan, Dan and I were in uh, Tbilisi not that long ago, but like, what was the expectation in the Faroe Islands for this game? And was it greeted with this astonishment that to to I, I, you know the stats would suggest obviously that. Uh, didn't have an awful lot of the ball, but to score that many goals, it must have been absolutely dreamland for everyone that followed it, I guess. Yeah, um, it's it's funny because, yeah, obviously they have to, but KI, they play, um, you know, like, how, how do, you know, European football, where they, uh, where they stand back, they stand mm. so well, and... Um, and count on their target man up front, the, a Norwegian dude, Ole Erik. Um, yeah, and just from him, play, um, play on the counter, really. This is, this is, so th- what you're describing is how Irish clubs for years and years and years would have played in Europe in the sense that they would be up against it, they play in the counter-attack. But that's all well and good. The Irish club might nick a goal. They scored six goals. How did they do it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's the biggest win ever for for a team in in a European competition, and six goals with never scored that many in in Europe before. So um, unreal, unreal. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, there's a lot of focus on that result, but even against um, young boys like from Switzerland, they they we we haven't heard too much discussion about that game. Like, how did they do in that game? I mean, I know they lost, but. I mean, they, they, they were competitive in the tie. So how, how did those games go? Yeah, they, they lost 3-1 in Switzerland too. So, um, but at the break, it was uh, still 0-0. Zero, zero, so, um, but yeah, like against uh, Dinamo here, they were so good in, in defensive. Um, yeah, played a sort of 4-5-1, where Pal Kletzgaard, he is, Behind um, behind the target main and and just the uh, creativity like none other from uh, from him and he also got a hat trick here so um, a great man <laughs> yeah because I I watched the you mentioned the Norwegian striker and he's like as you mentioned the target man who even against Tbilisi he won a lot of the free kicks that led to mm. opportunities and chances but like what. If you were discussing um, Kaoi to your mates, like what, like what is the strongest aspect of the team? Like what is the strong, what is the st- maybe the main strength of them and, and maybe a weakness? Um, the weakness is, is um, when the, the opponent have a quick striker, then um, because the defense, they are so clever, but they are not the fastest um, people on earth. Okay. Right. Um, and then, um, and then they they struggle a bit with them, with set pieces, even though they are tall. Then, uh, then I feel like it's mm, it's a bit of a struggle sometimes. But um, but yeah, they are. But on the other hand, they are so good on offensive. Set, the, yeah, uh, offensive set, set pieces. pieces. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so, who's, who's the coach as well? Is he like a local guy or is this, is this unexpected that he would produce something as good as this? Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> obviously, um, obviously he's a, he's a former international player too, from, but only played on the Iceland. Um, Michael Tomasten. Yeah. Right. But, right. um, but he's never played for Klaxvik, so um, so it was quite um, quite fun to see him, um, you know, like turn this team around because they've not won the league before last year in in 20 years. So they they were called the Liverpool of 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 the country. Wow. Yeah, they they were so. Um, but yeah, finally last year, then uh, it all went amazing. <laughs> Will the whole of the Faroe Islands get behind this team now, or are there rivals that will want them not to win? I've seen a few um, that doesn't want it. Also, because that if they will go through, then they will get a lot of money and of course. and so on. But like overall, I really think that that it's uh, uh, yeah, the whole nation are, are behind them. But but is there a confidence that they can do it? You know, is is the coverage there? People saying this is a team we can beat, or that you know that Kaoi can beat. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think uh, everybody sees them as the underdogs. Mm. No, no doubt about that. But it's uh, a manageable draw. Mm. Um, so um, it's also, I mean, obviously the first time a team from the country uh, has made it to the playoffs, but um, but I really um, think that that yeah that that um, that they have a chance. I mean, obviously they have a chance, but but uh, I see it as sixty forty to Dundalk's favor. Yeah, he's 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 evoking memories of the Azerbaijani lad who gave us a prediction as well, like eighty five fifteen or eighty twenty. Dan, so well, that was in favor of his own. Off, yeah. So Casper has been more, yeah, sort of slightly more uh, pessimistic. But in turn, there's been a lot of discussion yeah, here, Casper, uh, about, for example, uh, you know, we you know we must not underestimate um, Klaxvik because the Faroes international team has really improved now. I was and and there's a number of players in the squad. It looks to be sort of the, in defence, isn't there? A defender, the central defender is also the central defender for the national team and then one or two in the sort of midfield position is that correct in terms of where the internationals are in the the Kaoi team yeah i mean um, the right back Johannes Davison um he is he played against Malta and Andorra and that's his only two uh, national team games so he's he has a 100% win record for wow. okay yeah yeah for the national team but um, but he is selected, and uh, the two central defenders. However, it's most likely only uh, Heini Watzendal that will play. Otmar Fair, he is mostly a, a substitute okay. on, on the national team. But yeah, will and then a few from the midfield. Midfield, yeah, yeah. Will you guys be able to like watch it? Are the bars open? And, and, and obviously, you're not over there. But is, are the bars open in the Faroe Islands? And will people be watching it? Yeah, it's on the on the national TV uh, station. That's gonna be that's gonna be cool. Uh, yes. I, 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 it, it, I guess, I guess for him, Dan, it's like, 
it's kind of like uh, watching Rovers against Milan or something from an Irish perspective in that this is just such a massive game. Well, yeah, except Zlatan's not playing for Dundalk, to be fair. Well, it's it? <laughs> it's a slightly, slightly different. Do you know anything about the Dundalk players over there, actually? Me? Yeah, or is it like, is there an expectation over what they have to fear and so on? Um, to be honest, I only know the keeper, Mr. Rutgers. Wow, there you go. Mr. Yeah. Rogers would be delighted with that. Mr. Rogers. I like that as a, as a, as a, as, yeah, because it's just like, it's, it's, it, I suppose with a, the, the great thing about these European ties is the research you do, but I don't know why, like, do people have people reference the fact that the Dock were in Europe in 2016 before, or that, does that even come into the discussion of it? Nah, it's only if they want to make it, you know, like less special for Dundalk to go through, you know, mm. so because they have tried it. But um, but I think and I feel like um, like everybody is watching uh, Clarksvik yes. and not, not so much the opponent. I appreciate that, yeah. I think you kind of remind me of Iceland in the sense of such a small population. I think what you've, what their country has produced in terms of, uh, quality is uh, is quite extraordinary. You know, fifty thousand is the size basically of a small Irish town. Mm. Yeah. Also, um, yeah. Also, the the players that uh, that we have produced also over the years, uh, I'm really impressed. I'm really really impressed too. Yeah. Mm. Well, we're gonna. Um, I I'm, I've got to say, but I don't know if Ivan else asked that, but just what? really prediction. Hopefully. Yeah, prediction. prediction. What's your prediction? Come on, Casper. Um, I think, in the hope that uh, we will take it an extra time, actually. Yeah. Actually, I don't think that's bonkers, Dan. Uh, listen, I, one, I, one in the one one and then two one. Mister Mister Rogers is going to concede a goal. <laughs> I, I, like, twice. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's honestly like I don't I don't think anyone can say with certainty what what happens in in this game. I think. Um, like Dundalk have been stronger in the past than they are this year. Um, and maybe the, the Dundalk side of a couple of years ago, you'd be very confident. But they have, they have questions to answer now. And there's a, there's a lot of pressure on everyone here. So it's, it's, it's maybe who handles the pressure on the day as mm. much as quality. I think these are factors that will come into it because uh, certainly here, there's a lot of people who just assume that Dundalk are going to win. And that brings a real pressure, I think, with it. So um, it's a great tie. It's a, it's, yeah. a fairy tale, it's a fairy tale story. But I guess I can appreciate for, for Tlaxvik, the fairy tale, uh, if they qualify, would probably be a bigger one than Dundalk qualifying. <laughs> that's for sure. If you're going to have a beer watching the game, will it be like some Danish tacker? You're going to have some Faroese beer watching these, uh, these, these heroes put it up to Dundalk. Yeah, I've, uh, I've taken a day off work on Friday. So... Um... Let's hope that it will be a long night. Let's hope Lovely. so. I love All right. it. We're going we're to retweet from the account as well, just a link to Casper's uh, uh, Twitter handle, which, as I said, has lots and lots of followers. Casper, thanks so much. Yeah, no worries. Have a good night. Yeah, Casper, the friendly Dane, uh, who gave us, like, just what, what an insight there. Dan, I've, it's a bit remiss of me. I haven't mentioned the boy Owen, who, uh, just in case I forget, winning the big, the big game. The one, they won the championship on Sunday. The boy Owen, in the background there, gleefully celebrating yeah. uh, his big win. And uh, hopefully that's the end of the, the massive upsets uh, this week on the sporting front, because, uh, I, I don't know, you can't, 
I've always made the point you can't, as a, no Irish team has earned the right to underestimate any opposition in Europe or think it's a formality. And any team that gets six goals against Tbilisi must have something about them. Like an Irish team do, does not get six goals in Europe, full stop. Yeah, just to clarify, because listeners can't actually get into our minds and know what actually happened. Owen uh, captained his uh, local GEA team to championship success over the weekend. We did put a tweet out from the account. Pat's gone a bit. But, um, just in case people, we can't always just know what you're thinking at that point when you're saying it, but mm. that's, that's what we're referring to there. But Casper, the friendly Dane, anyway, he's, he's a young guy, um, and this, he must be, I remember when we were like younger, setting up our, our kind of League of Ireland websites, whatever we had back in the day, and you know, this was exciting times. It feels a bit like that for me, like long ago when I used to be, like if, when I remember... Yeah, let's hope he turns out better, let's hope he turns yeah, out better. That's all I remember when say. I was 15 and watching Pats and Celtic in Europe, and it must feel a bit like that for him. Yeah, and, you know, with, uh, you know Pat Dolan selling dreams, you know, now yeah. he just he sells players, I suppose. But, like, you know, it's, 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 it's part of the, 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 the grown-up experience, you know? You just have to, you just have to, uh, these are formative experiences in everyone's life, you know? And it, it, maybe, maybe for Claxvik, this is the story. Like, it is a bonkers time. absolutely bonkers. A team, a team from a country of that size to be on the cusp and have a realistic chance against the Europa League. But, it, see, this is probably the trade-off for, um, this is the trade-off for, you know, U, UEFA yeah. taking the Champions League and turning it into an exclusive club that what they have done, and it's probably like it's political reasons, it's the only good thing they've done in, mm. in recent years, really, is probably at least give the champions of smaller countries something to strive for. Now, yeah. the slight problem with that is that it creates one club leagues to some degree as well, that European money. There'll be a lot of people listening to this, of course, who don't want them dog to win. And I this you have to understand that people feel that way. Yeah. And I've, I've made my views on this known before, that, you know, I have my own reasons, but I want all our clubs to do well in Europe every year because I think it's really important. And it's important maybe selfishly in my work world that that's the case, um, that they do well because it's just better for everyone. It's better for an industry. It's better for business. But I do appreciate that there's, line of thinking. There's one problem with your thinking, though, this year. There's one little problem, right? If, if Dundalk, as is expected, if they do get to the group stages, you have to fear for them. You really do. Like, just they're not where they were in 2016. When but, were... but it's, but it's, but let, listen, I don't think we're jumping down the road to have that discussion. Mm. We can have that discussion next week if they're true. Um, in many respects, 2016, the group stages was about achievement within the group stages. I think if they do get through this time, it's not really about that. Like, as far as I know, the club is probably you know, on course for, like it lost, what, 1.2 million last year and it's on course for a much bigger one this year. Yeah. So really, it, this time it's about getting in and yeah. then, like, you, you know, you, then you see what happens. It's not as if, unfortunately, we're going to have uh, the trips and the experiences for the fans and the families mm. and the players. Like, it's actually very different. It's a lot colder in some respects. So this is a very warm tie with an incredible story. But the irony about it is, in a horrible way, is that potentially for the winners, like the engagement with the competition could be quite cold relative yeah. to what it might have been at another time. So that's another strange aspect to the whole thing. But really, like, yeah, you're, you're jumping down the road there. But honestly, I think where that club is at at the moment, it really mm. is about... Um, you know, just, 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 this is like dodging an iceberg, maybe. So I, I, that, that, that's, that, that's the stakes to the game. I've, I've a sense that the players and the, the, the Shane Keegan story as well, I think, is just one aspect to how utterly bonkers this is and what the role he's had to play now. But the players, I think, 
quite simply, even if, even if they didn't have any manager for this game, they would come together and say, we can't let this opportunity go. It's just, we're lucky to get here, but we've, we've earned it in the sense that we came out of Transista with a win. Let's do this. We have European experience. And as such, I think they will get over the line, maybe a little bit comfortable. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about comfortable. I don't think I get to that with confidence. I think there's probably a focus there that they should do it. But I mean, again, we're going a bit blind on the opposition. Actually, I do think from it's interesting what Casper said there actually about they're maybe susceptible to a bit of pace. Mm. Dan Kelly alluded to it in his interview about the Aviva suit and um, I definitely think that with Duffy, uh, like you watched the the, the 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 Tbilisi game, it was an artificial pitch, tight enough surface that this big Aviva thing it can be a bit overawing for teams when they play there at first. Uh, you have to almost and the talk about it, experience there and have to use the full width of the pitch. Um, I think and that's a very fair point. I think the dog have a bit of how, how to use it with Duffy. It'd be interesting. Obviously, Chris Shields is suspended, but I don't think. Um, I think by the sounds of it, it's the type of game where actually they probably only need, say, one sort of number six there, and then maybe they need someone who can who who's a they they'll probably have a lot of possession in that area. Whereas normally Chris Shields would be chasing and harrying and someone like Sean Hoare won't Sean Hoare won't be playing there like this yeah. like Sean, there's no need for that a couple of positives it's, just from the it's going to be midfielders week. you know playing there a couple of positives from the game last week they gave away a sloppy goal from a set piece but thereafter defensively and the role Shields played uh, there was a lot of European know-how there in terms of like I, I, I thought Sheriff I mean I was so disappointed in Sheriff but against that Dundalk coughed up very few chances against a team with pedigree and, and they have to be very happy. And they were 1-0 down mentally in a situation, or 1-0 down in a strange place, a season that's been a bit of a disaster in many ways. And they came through and they showed massive composure in the penalty shootout. Brilliant penalties. And I think you can't underestimate that. There's so much riding on this. Yeah. And I think I'd have, I'd have a lot of faith in them mentally getting through what should be a, an obstacle that they can overcome. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think so. And the one thing we should say about the players as well, and let's, let's listen... Let's not sugarcoat reality here. They're all professionals. A lot of them are out of contract. A lot yeah. of them will have good bonuses, you know, to come with this to get through. It's it's the pandemic. It's it's a tough time for players in the league of the country. One hundred percent. A lot of players are out of contract, no matter how good they are, unless they're like maybe the exceptional players like the Mickey Duffies. But like a lot of them are facing probably pay cuts in the next deal. You know, a lot of you know there are a lot of their circumstances are going to be in, up in the air. So what they have here is an opportunity maybe to avoid some of that and, and you know, to, to give themselves some security. Like, it's, it's, it's as I said, that's, that's the stakes of this game. Like, you can't actually, you can't express enough how important it is. And maybe that's where the pressure comes. Like, it's not just about uh, playing a team from wherever. Like, there's, there's, the more you think, maybe they just need to, hopefully they're not listening to this, but, like, that's the, the point. Like, that these are big games, and, but, like, the implications yeah. of it are very wide-reaching. Final question for you before we get to Colin Hawkins. Uh, is there any opinion in the town that people would want this regime to fail that would be so disenfranchised with what's happened that they would not be happy that no. they kind of... No. no. I, well, if anyone has that view, they don't know what's happening at the club. Yeah. Like, the concern at the club, tied in with the regime, really, to some respects, one of the concerns would be um, the spending. You know, that yeah. spending's an issue. So this opportunity to almost wipe the balance 
with what's happened in the last couple of years. And by the way, like I think that the owners are quite relaxed about the losses because they can afford it. But of mm. course, that that's one thing for them. It's another thing for the club's longer term history. It's a concern that's there. Now, like as I said, they paid full wages during the. Uh, and the they pandemic. absolutely need if, to be lauded if, for that. If they were worried about like cost, they would have obviously probably taken uh, moves towards that. Actually, fine, fine. No, so, so let, let, stop, let me finish the, the first question. Yeah. Bring about the next one. The, the 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 point is that like so so that's the broader picture here. And I've spoken to some people about like what's the reaction being to this even from there. Mm. There is a feeling to some degree that Filippo starting quite well, um, and say a good result that it's maybe calmed things down yes. a small bit and that if they could somehow get across the line, it might sort of be, it's almost like, you know, it's like you'd be on this mad trip or something and people are like coming out of it and going, okay, where are we going from here now? Like not, but, a, not a European trip, more of a psychedelic one. Well, that was your interpretation. And, mm. and, and that's, that's, like, that's just something we, we need to be conscious of. It's a chance F- to, take, to take stock. Final question. What is Vinnie Perth thinking? Um, he's probably thinking we should move on to our next guest, Colin Hawkins. Well, that was probably one of the lines of the season so far. Um, great to have a refreshing Galway accent on the show for once. Uh, Colin Hawkins is on the line. Colin of St. Patrick's Athletic fame, going back to all those years. I think when I started getting into the League of Ireland, Colin was the mainstay of the St. Patrick's Athletic defence. Brilliant, brilliant defender, recognised. Actually, did he get in the top 50, Dan? Oh, he was, he was, he was, he was high up the list. I think he might yeah. have been... Was he the top defender? Or certainly, he was. He was in. He was in. He was definitely came up in in uh, various discussions I had with players of that era. What was the toughest defender you, they played against? And I think he. I think he kept getting all the mentions. He kept getting all the mentions. So well, that's happily, ha- that, that's great. But we have uh, Colin here. The, the reason. Yeah. The reason we. The reason we have we have Colin Hawkins here, is that the PFEI are. We 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 touched on it before you come on, Colin. That. Obviously, around this Dundalk game on Thursday, which is a madly important game for the players, particularly in this pandemic era of, of football where people don't know what contracts are going to be like next year or what the football climate is going to be like for full-time football in this country. And the PFEI are now running courses, probably trying to get players to think about life after football or transitioning to a, a life outside football. So you're involved in a, with a webinar about this next month in October maybe could you just tell us what's that about and what was the the process you went through yourself to to leave football and and as in not leave football but you know secure work outside of football yeah no problem first of all thanks for having me on guys and glad to hear Johnny said I still have a Galway accent because people slag me that I've picked up a Dublin twang or a UK twang so nice to hear the Galway accent is still there but uh, absolutely Thanks for having me on. But um, yeah, the PFEI, I've worked closely with the guys. Stephen and Ollie, obviously, I would have played with going back to years and had a great great relationship with the lads. So about three or four years ago, um, I kind of went to the lads. We were looking for people to come in and work with our Christmas team. So I'm a regional sales manager with uh, CPM on the Diageo side. So we obviously look for guys to come in to give extra help for the six to eight weeks of Christmas. And to be honest, at the time, we were, you know, the employment rate was really high. It was, it was tough to get good people in for Christmas. And I had a bit of a brainwave of using the guys who I knew haven't been in that situation myself. They were on their 40-week contracts with their club. So we kind of targeted them guys and put out a mail to all the members. And that was the first Christmas we got some brilliant guys in. Um, like Kieran Kilduff, Gary Shaw, the uh, fellas all, all, around, all around the country. We had one kind of, one in Galway, one in Limerick, a couple in Cork, all the way around. 
So it worked out really, really well. And then a couple of lads managed to get not, not just Christmas work, a few full-time opportunities came up. Um, Killian Catmile, who's with Bray, Ryan Swan, who's with Bowes at the time. A couple of them lads and Gary Shaw is with us now as well, Mikey Scott. We've got in a lot of guys and given them full-time roles. And they were the perfect fit, to be honest, because obviously they were signing on the dole. And this is an opportunity to get something on their CVs. So we were really keen to get good guys in. And the stores loved them. Obviously, in around Tala, Gary would have been a hoops player at the time. So... He was getting stuff away in stores that the other merchandisers couldn't. So it was, it, was the, it was the perfect fit. And the guys were young and hungry and fit and able to work hard. So we kind of rolled that out every year. And again, this year I'm bringing in a few lads, actually, a few lads starting next uh, Monday. Now, a lot of lads have come to me. So I'm going to try and get them on other contracts within CPM. We'd have a lot of other contracts on Vodafone, Britfic, PepsiCo, for example. So anything I can do to help the lads and try and encourage them to, to get work and to start thinking about, you know, the football career is so short. And then with everything that's going on, not even, even before COVID, these guys need to be thinking about, it's not a case of getting their hundred or a couple of hundred quid a week at their club. That's not going to be there forever. You know, they really need to start thinking about what are they going to do when they retire? So that's when I linked in with the lads and then delighted to be asked to come on a webinar in the next couple of weeks, just to, you know, I think they're bringing on a few former players uh, from various sports, just to, just to help these guys to give them some sort of insights and in how to do up your CV and all your transferable skills from football. You know, I, I didn't have anything on my CV. I'd worked a couple of, couple of Christmases in Supermax in Galway. Um, I'd done very little work. And this merchandising thing came up at a Christmas for me. And then I was lucky enough to get a full-time role with that. And then after two or three years, I managed to become one of the managers of the team. So it's just encouraging the lads. Some of them will say, oh, I've no, I've no you know, I don't have any experience in anything bar football. Well, actually, they do because a lot of them are leaders on the pitch, and there's a lot of transferable skills. So, any help we can give them, guys, that's what we're there for. That, that's it's, really it's, interesting. Sorry, John, across you. I've spoken to a lot of players about this over the years. You've gone into various different industries, and they always make that point that you're making that footballers have skill sets that they don't realise that they have. That leadership stuff, even like discipline and timekeeping and stuff, that like you know you can't really get away with not turning up for training. Yeah, you know, if you're a professional footballer, I mean, some players try, but you can't really. Whereas you'll have this culture in an office sometimes where people will come in 15, 20 minutes later or something. Whereas actually in football, that's not really a, a thing. And like that, you, that, that footballers can be a more attractive candidate than, than people realize. Absolutely. And again, like I'm, I'm managing a team. Um, as I said, there's three, three managers. So I manage my patch and we cover 1700 off licenses in the country so I'd manage one third of it around the Leinster region so again it's very much all the guys on my team if anybody's let me down it's, it's like being part of a football team you know I can't carry fellas if they're pulling if they're not pulling their weight we move them on you know it's the same as in the same if you got one bad egg in a dressing room you move them on so there's a lot of stuff but I definitely found that when I came in a lot of the stuff a lot of the guys kind of looked up to me because I suppose a natural leader on the pitch which I would have been I kind of brought them skills to this job um, and you learn the basics, the merchandising is all simple stuff and then you need to spend maybe a little bit of time on your own to do your extra courses to, you know, maybe your Microsoft Excel or simple stuff that you mightn't have done before just to make sure you're, you're up to speed on that and you're always trying to progress. But yeah, it's, it's definitely something the guys need to be thinking about and in fairness to PFI, everything they're doing, it's fantastic. I know they brought Emma Burrows in recently. So she's mm. helping the guys. Even um, a lot of them would have sent me on CVs that look really professional. So, and again, they're trying to tap into, well, actually, I do have a lot of skills and I, I am I am ready to work, you know. Um, and as I said, they're fit and hungry. 
it's 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 funny as well like these you know these are professional athletes that are at the peak of their profession within their country and um they're actually very humble people like they're in fact they might even be a little bit uh a little bit lacking confidence maybe in some respects about like their qualities that they can bring off the pitch yeah as i said yeah and again some of the stores love them because if you put a guy say if i got a guy from st pat's i had a lot like dean clark for example um uh, dan casey at the time he was a shelburne so these guys when they go into their own patch Everybody loves them. Everybody knows them. Generally, in the off licenses and store managers would know these guys. So, mm. you know, they have a huge amount of respect for them. And you're right, the guys would be very humble. Um, none of the guys I brought in have been cocky. They've really got stuck in. They're the best fellas I've brought in to work. And that's why it's really worked both for CPM and for the PFAI. And that's why we continue to use it. Like Just, just think, think of the booze as well. I was, we, we spoke about Pat Dolan on the show. Were you, were you on the Pat Dolan team where he had you drinking cans and training uh, before a European game? Is that right? What kind of cans now? <laughs> it was like, didn't he fill, he filled cans with water. This was, is this just a, a, an urban myth? He filled like cans of booze with water and made sure that the optics were, the, the, the Pats lads were basically boozing away. Was that, was that Cork's? Yeah, no, he, well, he did similar stuff. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did. He did crazy. It's like, sure, we were playing Gaelic football in Parkhead before we played Celtic and, and just to, these guys, what are these Irish guys doing? They don't have a clue. Like, but yeah, listen, that's, that's what I grew up with at the time. That was the mentality and that was the, the culture. You know, there was a, a drinking culture, if you like. It was all part and parcel of it. You went for your, you trained all week. You played your match on a Friday night. You went for your pints and then even Saturday morning. And looking back, was it the right thing? Definitely wasn't. And did it, did it curtail people's careers? It probably did. Mm. But that's the way it was. Now, people are a lot more professional now. And it's great to see the stuff that the academies are doing across well, Bohemian, Shamrock Rovers, Shelburne. What these guys are doing, uh, far more professional than the stuff we were dealing with, to be honest. So, so, Colin, it's actually interesting to have you on. Because when you played for St. Pat's that time, and then I know you went back across. You came home. You went back across again. Like, you had a sort of a couple of... You're over and back a bit. But... I guess you played in like the early stage here of real like full time uh, professionalism, you know, where where number like where, where most clubs in the Premier Division were full time as opposed to maybe one or two, and we've had various we've had we've we've gone back and forth over the last sort of a decade and the recession and etc. Like you're dealing with players now, you're you're following the scene, you're still very much involved in football. We'll discuss that in a second, but. What has changed, or has anything changed now? Like, is it any more secure a profession now, or is, or is a lot of the issues that lingered in that regard still there in 2020? Like, would you have hoped it would have come on more, maybe? Yeah, I suppose. Listen, it's hard at the moment with COVID and, and players and our clubs not getting any fans through the door. It's so difficult for them. I actually don't know how they're continue to keep it going and keep the players happy. Obviously, they've had support from outside, but really difficult. Even in our, my time, obviously, we had, we had financial issues at various clubs. You know, we were sporting Fingal, went bust. Uh, we had a really good side, ready to win the league. If you, if you look back at mm. the players we have, and then mm. that got pulled pull, pull from underneath their feet without any warning, you know. so And then Shelburne, we had our difficulties there um, where we won the league and, and the whole thing went bust as well. So, some really bad memories on that, and I would like to think things have definitely um, improved. I love to hear of stuff like what Rovers are doing again. Love them or hate them, what Shamrock Rovers have done in the last number of years from the bottom up, uh, the academy they have is just fantastic. And you can see the production line from, I, I can see because I'm seeing their nines and tens and elevens every week, but the players they're bringing through, and then I love to hear that they're including the education on it, which has never mm. been done in this country before, where they might be trying to get kids in from everywhere, which they are because of their name, but they're also then giving them the, the buffer of an education alongside their chance to get in the first thing. 
So that's the kind of stuff that's improving, but needs to be rolled out more across more clubs. They need to look at, okay, we're giving these kids a couple of hundred quid a week or whatever it is, but how, how are we looking after them long-term? You know, not many of them are going to go to the UK. Um, so what are we doing for the others? You know, they're not going to make enough money in, in the league. And, you know, I know a lot of clubs don't talk and that have helped guys out with getting jobs, which is really important. They should be tying that into their contract that not only are you getting your few bob, but you're also getting a job within the club, whether it's on the commercial side, in the office, I don't know. Whatever way they can help these players, um, they're not just a piece of meat that are going to get a few quid and then move on. shouldn't mm. be like that. Just to extrapolate on what Dan was saying there, did you feel there was a missed opportunity from... Because I, I felt there was almost like a, the cusp of a revolution in Irish football around the time of Dolan and when you were at Pats and a bit of professionalism. But Dan has obviously mentioned this a few times. Did it really move on from here up until like this decade? And when we look at maybe 1990 and the mania around Irish football at that time and the missed opportunity of the League of Ireland, but League of Ireland never really kicked on from that. No, we were in a really good place. I look back at them memories, Friday nights in Inchcore and Full House. Place wasn't like. Uh, play, yeah, going against, up against Cork for the league. Like, them memories are unbelievable. But, you know, you're right, had things kicked on. I mean, at that time, there was serious money for players to be made in the league. You had your choice, your, your, your three or four top clubs. And, you know, you were getting eight, nine thousand euro a week easily. And then when I made my move, I went to the UK. I couldn't believe the stories I was hearing from back here. And then it was no surprise when the likes of Cork and one or two others got in difficulty. The money they were paying players was ridiculous, considering they weren't getting the crowd in. You'd fellas fighting over penalties because they were getting 500 euro uh, bonuses, like this kind of mm. mad stuff that was never sustainable. And that's why clubs got in so much trouble. And I'd like to think a lot of clubs have learned from that. But there was definitely, we were ready. It was all set up and ready to go. And to be honest, I think watching the games on the telly over the last few weeks with lockdown, I'm just so encouraged by the way teams are playing, really more attractive football. Can it be better? Of course it can. The facilities can be much better, but I just love watching games. I love the way the dog play. I loved watching Rovers the other night. Um, and I know that's done from the bottom up. Um, they have a system that they're playing and they have a brilliant production line of players coming through. So I, I think we're on the cusp of getting there again. And, and obviously Jack getting included in the Irish squad today is a huge boost. And as Stephen said, he's there on Mertz and he deserves to be there. But... There's a lot of cracking players around the league. It's just, it's just unfortunate at the moment the crowds can't go on. I, I, could, I couldn't agree more to there. Like even watching Rovers d- d- deliberately and consistently and persistently pass the ball uh, out from a kick-out against AC Milan to have the balls to do that. But then if you're watching, like even I watched Bowes and Derry last week. I really enjoyed that game. I, I, I go to League of Ireland games now and it's very, very rare that I think the game was poor or that I didn't enjoy it. And nearly all teams, bar maybe one or two, have their own kind of realities. They do try to play football. And the underage, you can probably test the fact that this is just par for the course now. This is the way they play. This is the way we play. And like I'm training under eights there this evening. We're trying to get them to play out from the back. And in fairness, the FAI with their PDP rules, it encourages playing out from the back. And that's the way it should be. And in fairness, that's why I hated bringing teams to the... I used to bring kids to the Viva over the last couple of years to watch the Irish senior team. Mm. And there was none of that. Even though the PDP, all the teams doing it except for the senior team. Whereas now... With Stephen in charge, that's going to change. Um, so, yeah, you're right. There's a much better brand of football. Back in our day when we were winning leagues, um, we were pretty much picking the best player in every position. Right, Who's the best right back? Let's give him the best wage and get him in. Let's get the best centre back. But did we play out from the back and play attractive football? No, we didn't. We had the best individual players, your Wessels and Alan Moores, Joseph and those, these kind of guys. They brought, But we didn't have, 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 have the attractive way of playing, I, I think, looking back. Colin, you were obviously involved with Shamrock Rovers too, or B, the B team the last time around, and they've, they've gone that route again. I mean, were you surprised to, to see that happen? 
you know, and, and how do you reflect on your own experience with it that time? The, the club weren't ready to do it. It was kind of all done ad hoc, to be honest. And I was there in the club already. I was obviously in a role um, under, I was with Steve and I was with Trevor Crowley. And then this came, let's let's have a B team. But we weren't ready. I mean, I was given a remit. There was a, I'd, I would be managing the under 19 team, so I played mostly the under 19s in it. And then there was a few Bob to bring in a couple of players. But the expense of that, looking back, as soon as Pat Fenlon came in, obviously he wanted that. I want the few quid that's gone into the, the B team in the first division. You know, I want that to buy players and, and win my league, in fairness to them. But where, they, where they're in a much better place to do it now, they have, I mean, they have incredible under 14, under 15, under 16 players. And they are now getting the, 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 the chance to go up and play all across the country in, in the first division. You know, and that, there's a huge benefit. Whereas at the time, we weren't ready for it. But what they've done, Rovers, in the last five or six years, it's perfect for them. Now, other clubs won't like it because they're getting a serious advantage out of it, but it's up to them to get their own house in order, in fairness. Mm. So you're involved with St. Moctis at the moment. You're, I think you're a director of football there, is that correct, in the academy? Is that your role? or what? Yeah. You can tell us what you do there, but you are, you're still very much involved in, in the game, albeit in a strange position now, because you're not considered elite in, a, in this COVID world for training. Yeah, so I love my role. I've been there now for probably five years at St. Moctis. Um, when the Shamrock Rovers thing came to an end, obviously I decided I need to get a proper job and that's when I did my Christmas merchandising and then got my full-time role where I am now with CPM. And then St. Moctis asked me, they're a local club here in Concilla, really, really progressive club. And we've, you know, we're, we've gone through serious change a couple of years. We're now up to 31 schoolboy teams. The senior team on the FAI Intermediate Cup a couple of months ago. So really, really strong side. And my role is looking after uh, the 31 teams, but more so the probably 50 or 60 coaches in charge of them, trying to trying to bring them on. And if a parent comes in, can you upskill him and uh, teach him the basics and, and then get him to do the badges? So really enjoy the role. Lots of challenges, obviously. But, uh, really, 31 really teams would be a team. Come here, is Len Crow there with yeah. you? Am I right in saying that, Len Crow? Glenn. Glenn, Glenn is there. He manages. He coaches the first team of Brian McCarthy. Um, the the, first, the the senior team is like a who's who of League mm. Ireland. To be honest, I was there, I was there last night, and um, Darren Mean and Sean Heaney, all these guys walked through the door. So I think it's more. It's it's an attractive proposition for these guys. Mockers would train maybe two nights a week, and they play under the lights on a Friday night. And mm. um, instead of maybe getting their their fifty quid and taking days off work on a Friday to go wherever, at Lone or Cove, you know. So it's becoming more attractive for these guys, which means that, um, that that Leinster Senior League top division is a really strong division with really good footballers in it. So Glenn is involved coaching them and he's a young lad, Oren, in our under nine. So it took me about four years to get Crowey uh, from one side of the fence in, but he's now loving it. He's really good with the kids. So we've some, uh, we've some good guys up there helping. Yeah, him, it, player, well, I mean, I was going to say that. Yeah, I mean, have Glenn Crow coach. No backdrop to his shot whatsoever and just lash one in from 30 yards and just in the box. No, I'd love him as a player. The quietest, shyest, most modest player, Glenn, like you could ever meet, but uh, what a player to play, which I was lucky enough to play them at Bowes and then when we all moved to Shelburne, caused all that controversy. Glenn came as well, but brilliant player, yeah, and he was obviously in Malaysia with us as well when he nearly melted in the heat over there. <laughs> the redhead. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it, it's funny, like you reflect on that time. I mean, I know it's a very generic thing, but was, was Glenn as good as you played against? Like, or was there, who were the players that you dreaded playing against? Maybe dreaded's the wrong word. I'm not sure if that was your character. But you know what I mean? The, the players that you knew this was going to be a tough old night. If they were only no, I didn't, I didn't mind the Glenn Crow or Jason Byrne coming up against them. It was, 
the smaller guys and the likes of Paddy McCourt running at you or someone like Aaron Connolly now would be a nightmare for me. Someone sharp and zippy like that who's just a constant menace. Uh, Gary O'Neill is very good as well. He uses bad arse and turn you every time with the ball. But, you know, little players like that were always a bit more tricky. Whereas if you have a big battle against a guy, if you get physical with them, I used to kind of generally... I think I used to come out on top with the bigger lads. Mm. That's interesting. You mentioned Aaron Connolly and we spin to the, the senior team now. Could I just ask, like, what does it mean to people coaching at all levels in the country to see Stephen Kenny managing the Ireland team now? Someone that you've worked with, you know, someone who is of the game here, I, su- I suppose, who is now in that role. Like, is that, is that, I mean, are we overplaying the importance of that or is that something that can really give everyone a lift here if it works? It definitely gave me a lift to, to see Stephen get that job. It's, it's just magic, you know. His story, I've known him right from when he was a butcher in Luke and then he came in when I was at Pats. He came in as a Pats under 21 manager. He used to call around to our house. There was a few of us renting a house with St. Pats and he'd come and fill up our freezer. So that was my first memory <laughs> of Stephen. And then, obviously, he signed me. I played for him. I nearly played for him when he was at Dunfermline. And then... I was under contract with Dundalk and he brought me to Rovers as player coach and then assistant manager. So some brilliant memories with Stephen and, you know, it's, you know, he's had, he's had, he's had his ups and downs, but to see him where he is now, it's, it's so, you know, it's, I'm very proud of, of him, you know, of what he's done. And I just, people just need to get behind him. I hate to read the negativity from people who haven't a clue about football, just around the whole senior team. You know, you've got to give him a chance. He, he had a couple of games there to, to have a look at players and he was getting criticised. He's got one massive game coming up against Slovakia, a 50-50 game that can go either way. But there's no doubt about it. He'll turn it around in time if people back him and he will play a proper, attractive type of football that we want to see. Are we limited with the players we have a little bit? Have we got some seriously talented players coming through? Yes, we do. And Stephen knows them better than anyone. So people just got to back him and give him time. I don't know what people are expecting um, from the senior team. It's just that Pity again, we can't feel the Viva and really get behind them um, when they get back there. But yeah, listen, great, great achievement for Stephen. And as I said, people just need to get behind him. And he's got some brilliant backroom staff as well, all the way through his 21s. And he's bringing in the right people around him. And he'd be meticulous about everything. He'll know his opposition inside out. So, geez, it's a huge game for us. And we all just got to get behind him. Do you feel he would have been like adversely affected at all by the fact that? You know, the Finland game was quite poor and that kind of groundswell of, um, you know, hope and happiness was maybe a little bit just diluted uh, in advance. Then all of a sudden, the next thing is you're playing Slovakia and you've just, you've no time to kind of reflect on that. Do you think that would be would be any negative at all or do you think he just gets on with it? Yeah, I think, to be honest, he's had he's had so many ups and downs. He's had his brilliant time to the dock. He's had the disappointing spell at Rovers. So he's had all that. He's had all the knockers. He's, you know, I'd like to think he switches off from that and he can focus on the positives. He would have known, okay, you'd like to get a draw or a win against Finland and, and be on a bit of a run. But it was all about having a look at players. Um, and obviously, he's made a few tweaks for this one. He's got some huge calls to make. With, everyone talks about Coleman and Darty, But... I'm just encouraged that every time I turn on the telly, there is people playing in the Premier League. You know, Callum Robinson getting a couple of goals. Connolly looks so sharp. You know, we're, we're limited in certain areas. We still need that top man in the middle of the park that we don't have for me, which is a huge loss. But you have Shane Duffy and John Egan, a lot of positives. And as I said, hopefully people just get behind them. And, you know, it's a 50-50 game against Slovakia, but geez, we've nothing to fear against them. Mm. Would you uh, do you have any ambitions to get back involved in the league again at any stage? I think you said to us off air you've you've got mocktails, you've got a, what three kids keeping you busy. Your day job, as you've you've uh, explained, like would would the league hold any attraction for you to get back into it at some stage? 
Yeah, everyone asked me that. Uh, suppose, suppose at some stage maybe, but at the moment, I love the role I have. Um, you mentioned there that we're not elite. It's kind of annoying to me at the moment with the COVID thing that we're working away with the kids and we can't play matches at the weekends. And we followed every guideline so strictly, but we've got the League of Ireland under 13s, which has its knockers again. For me, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a great, the best players playing against the best. But the fact that that's allowed to go ahead and people watching it and we can't have a game of 77 in-house or even a league game with the DDSL, it's just, I don't understand it, to be honest. I think the kids should be allowed to play. There doesn't seem to be any evidence of any um, COVID, definitely at our club, you know. So that's you also made a strange point, Colin, that you, you do have some players that would be just over the border, we'll say in Dunboyne or something like that, and effectively you're kind of obliged that they just don't come in now. Yeah, and again, Clonee, we're just, just across here, the border of Mead, and, and we just have to tell them sorry. And we would have quite a few at different age groups, and we just told them, so your heart will break. The kids are sending us in videos of them training on their own. But, you know, we've done everything right. We have our, our COVID officer in charge of the club, Finbar, and we do everything right at the club, and we just got to follow the guidelines. And I don't know, I'd imagine this week, this, this Friday, the announcement won't be favourable again. We'll be in lockdown. But I suppose you've got to look at the positives. The, the, the last couple of evenings have been beautiful, and we've been able to keep training the kids. and. That's all we can do. At least, at least they're getting something. They're still getting their two sessions a week and a bit of training at the weekend. We went up to Phoenix Park there at the weekend with one group just to do something different with them. But it is disappointing. I just, I just don't fully understand why they can't play games with each other when they're in a classroom with thirty kids all day. It doesn't make sense to me. Just, just, just finally, I don't know if you've, um, I don't know if you watched Dundalk last week, but we obviously spoke earlier in the show before you came on about the. Um, the nature of this game against the Faroese team and uh, what, do you, what do you make of it? Because you, all of a sudden we're on the cusp of an Irish team being in the Europa League hopefully again. Yeah, I suppose it was disappointing for them the weekend there that they had to play Rovers and I, I followed that closely. I watched a lot of the game. It was good for obviously a couple of the young kids to get, make their debuts for Dundalk but you know they did the right thing. They, their priority, like there's not many times you play a match where probably is it 3 million euro they're talking about mm-hmm. for Thursday so a huge game. People will, you know, the people who don't know much about football will say, oh, the Faroe Islands, that's a that's a shoe-in and it's the easiest draw. But I know I haven't played against Zimbru and Moldovan teams that ho- hockeyed us, you know. I remember that no. game well. Why did I bring that up? Was it, was it, was it, was it <laughs> oh, listen, listen, we're going off on a tangent now. Buckley said after the game, we'll never get hockeyed 5-0 again and they lost the second leg 5-0. Well, listen, I, but I, think, I think Desi Burns was doing some kind of promotions gig in the second leg. We can't even discuss the, the whole... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, move, move, moving on from that one but no listen a, a huge game for Dundalk they have some uh, big game players they have the experience uh, wouldn't it be brilliant to see them get through on Thursday it'd be a great boost for the league you know, it was, it was, uh, Rovers were very unlucky with their draw because I think they had a great chance of going, going forward um, but for Dundalk again it won't be easy um, everyone will say, write them off I'm sure Brian Kerr hopefully he's helping them he'll know the Faroe Islands players inside out. So if they get onto the greener, he'd be able to help them, I'm sure. We do have a figure here. Uh, 16 you featured in the best League of Ireland players the last 20 years, which obviously, you know, you were probably ahead of about 50,000, but you were behind 15 others. So you're happy <laughs> enough with 16? Well, that was Roy Keane's number. He was my favourite player. So I'll take that. I don't, I don't know how I listened to that. Dan, I don't know. And it could have been anywhere there, but a lot of good players in that. So yeah, I think I think Owen Heary was the top defender actually, but you were the top centre half. I think that's what it was. Yeah, Heary was high up the list. But like I think the old in fairness, the point was meant to me that the defenders get completely overlooked. Like in Mm. all these lists, it's always you you always think of Wes and Joey and Doe and Paddy McCourt and the people that I guess the people pay in to watch and the defenders always get 
forgotten, I mess. That's, that's my explanation anyway, to be honest. I mean, otherwise I've just completely bottled it and uh, you should have been way higher up the list. But the no, defenders I got a buzz. I got a buzz out that it was great. And it was nice to get it. And but like I, I watched again. I watched the games. The current centre halves in the league and some top players out there, and they're playing a lot better football than I ever played. So it was nice to be nice to be remembered. But you know, as I said, people need to hopefully get back watching games as soon as we're allowed. There's a lot of talent in the league. We just got to go go and support them. Yeah, it's funny the actually. Who do you like? Yeah. Who do you like watching centre half wise at the moment? Yeah. Um. I suppose I'd be still old school. The likes of Brian Gartland and these guys, I know people might say is is, is past his best. Um but but very, very, very solid player, you know. And obviously Lee Grace at Rovers mm. looks very strong as well. Uh Pico Lopez, you know, they, they just look really solid, well drilled. And again, as you mentioned earlier, it's their quality on the ball that they're getting it off the keeper all the time and playing in the right manner and trying to get your Jack Byrne on the ball to play proper football. That's that's the difference for me. And you know, there's, there's a lot of super players in the league. It's been brilliant having you on, Colin. I, I, I haven't uh, heard your voice in years, I think. Uh, great to have a Galway accent, as I said, on the show. And uh, Dan, good, good, good picking from you again. I mean, your procurement of, of uh, guests has been pretty much top-notch of late. <laughs> okay, Johnny. Yeah, I'll take the credit for that. All right. Yeah. Listen, Colin, it's been great to have you. And we'll talk to you soon again, hopefully. Thanks, Colin. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Don't forget to visit lottoland.ie forward slash sportsbook. You'll find all the odds and weekly special bets for the Europa League and SC or Tristy Premier Division. This week, Lottoland has two special Europa League price boosts for back Dock minus one. That's Dundalk to win by two goals or more uh, from six to four to two to one. And for what it's worth, I would probably back that. I think they'll do the job. And they do, once they go ahead, I think they'll do it comfortably. Uh, but you may disagree. You can also back Europa League double of Dundalk and Celtic. Both to win in 90 minutes. That was 2.11, now boosted to 6-4. That's Lotland.ie uh, forward slash sports. Really, really good to hear from Colin Hawkins there. And Dan put him at, uh, obviously, one of the, the top central... You have to stop bringing up that list with every guest we have on. It's heard, Dan's heard list. From, I haven't heard from Fabio in a while, actually. Um, Fabio, no. you're, you're getting so many digs in at people tonight that are not on the show. Like, just that's get not, over that's it. That's not no. what I was, I was just saying. Or Fabio. Um, Fabio. Colin Hawkins is a proper defender, and uh, they were good days. Last weekend, um, I, I was at Daily Mounts. Holy crap, Dan. Like, this, I, I mean, I, I wrote a match report for RT that, like, I can basically just change. That was grand. I looked around at the final whistle at all the press guys in the, who write for the, the dailies. What an absolute nightmare like not only you know, I've written this narrative Bows have sort of they're, they're jittery now on their European run Derry are right in the European race I think they're up to fifth brilliant performance never looked like conceding they lost 2-1 they led for like 92 minutes of the game well, didn't, didn't see it coming that's because there was 22 it, players with the same jersey on if yeah again if, if you're at the game it wasn't like that at all so I, I don't know if it was the light in the day or something it looked grand but it did it was bad I mean the amount we give now about it and then it was like, oh, they're going to change at halftime. Then they didn't. Anyway, so it was Bowes to Derry. One, Waterford won Sligo nil. Waterford just quietly there. Three different managers this season. Absolutely flying it. Fran Rocket, yeah. Fran Rocket. Uh, Pat Great Tuchel name for headlines. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, the headline writers of Ireland will unite to get in that job if Lee Power doesn't want to. They will. Like, uh, power, Rocket, there's all sorts of potential. Speaking of power. Speaking of a Rocket, Chris Forrester. Left foot. What was that about? Like... 
Stephen O'Donnell. What was that all about? He's, 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 he just turned into an expose presenter. Oh, he's been what saying, Stephen O'Donnell's been saying for the last how many weeks, we need to get the first goal in the game and then we'll be grand. Just get the first goal. That's kind of what happened. Disappointing Chelsea, lost 2 0. Harps won, Cork won. Another game I watched. Absolutely love these streams. So, so cool to be able to watch these games any, any day. Yeah, of the they, they, I don't know. Like, it was that one of those games that no one's happy with the result? Oh, I think Harps are happier, but they were one nil down. Um, but Cork, I don't know. I mean, they were well in control of that game. And Raf Krataro, I mean, whatever about, you know, one thirty-eight year old or whatever uh, Ibrahimovic is, is Raf Krataro to be doing that. What a vital goal. Massive result for Harps, I think, not to lose that game. Dundalk Neil Rovers 4, we've spoken about that, obviously. The first division, it's all happening there. Um, five away wins. So at Lone lost to Longford. Bray lost to Drogheda. A huge victory for the Drogs. Uh, tried to get Tim Clancy on the show, but he's gone all he's gone all chain supple GEA type nonsense now. It's like, but I'm not going to be going on the show just after you know you you run top of the table. So I'm going to probably wise to be fair. Just he, I, I said you're probably wise. Yeah. Cabin Cheely won Wexford five. Harry Kenny back in the game. Yeah. Boy have you Kenny. seen Have you seen some of the Cabin Cheely social media stuff lately? It's uh, it's it's interesting where it's like uh, Pat Devlin is having a sort of a, a dispute with the the Cabo press officer who's asking the questions. So it's almost like, it's almost like we've got, we've got, it's, it's like sometimes you see that tension between, like see, I see Pep Guardiola having a bit of tension with the interviewer, except now we're getting it <laughs> with the from a club channel. It's like, yeah. there was, after they played Rovers, uh, Rovers 2, uh, Rovers B, Rovers 2, uh, I think Pat Devlin's first question, or first response to the question was uh, along the lines of, well, you know, if people like you haven't played the game at any level, you wouldn't understand this in response to some question. And then the, the one last weekend, he was on about the stupid questions he was being asked uh, by the official club channel. That, so, um, yeah, well, that, that could be... I'm not sure if that was uh, the guy who was very helpful to me when I was out in Stradbrook last week. But, you know, the, the, the strange thing about being at games as well and hearing what's going on in the pitch, like I heard Zlatan in beautiful Italian remonstrate with whoever it was, like the... The, 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 the pleb who was playing midfield or whatever. Was he speaking but, Italian? Uh, I presume he was. Well, you, I mean, you heard it, but what was the language? It must have been Italian. So, like, <laughs> hang on, hang on. What was the language? Like, well, what, what else would he be speaking? It wasn't English. Well, it's a, a lot of these clubs now... How can we speak in Sweden? You don't have to all go to AC Milan and speak Italian. No, no. but like, yeah. I imagine it's the, it's the norm that, you know, you, you, what else are you going to... What's he going to talk to someone who's not Swedish in the team? Gonna, no, but you had that in the Premier League. Clubs or players were speaking French okay, or Spanish. Okay, whatever, or whatever, whatever. Anyway, but so Pat Devlin, the goal United game, like he was given out of a decision and he just goes, ah... Oh, Ah, oh. <laughs> it was the first time the pitch, and he was just like, ah, oh. <laughs> it was just like, ah, oh. you'd never hear that. I, I, Devlin was very entertaining. Cabo kind of like they have Cabo on an unbelievable run, they're on an unbelievably bad one now. It's all happening in the first division. Unfortunately, um, you know, Galway United losing home to Cove wasn't exactly forecast either. Shamrock Rovers B team as well losing 5-2 at home to UCD very much in the hunt it's a fantastic race for the playoffs and it's, for the title in it's going to get some attention because like obviously yeah. the, the, you know the Premier race is probably we have, the, we have the, the battle for Europe and we have the relegation battle it's going to be fascinating Sligo um, and Derry are playing at the moment by the way just because yeah. people are wondering why we're recording this on Tuesday night I so. would seriously fear for Derry if they lose this because mentally well, they will just be absolutely well Johnny, Johnny let's not tempt fake because Derry could score a goal before the time 
this podcast goes down. They so let's not, in, in let's not, event, let's not um, speculate. The, the, before we get to uh, the death of Michael Hayes, um, it was just news that we got in the, in the last few days. There's been lots of social media reaction. Just the fixtures next week. We obviously have uh, Jerry Johnny, that, that's an un, like, is that an indirect tribute to Michael Hayes? that you've preceded a tribute to Michael Hayes by listing the fixtures that he probably arranged himself. Like, this is like fixtures man Michael Hayes. I'm not sure if you're even familiar with him. I don't, I don't even know Michael no, Hayes. No, I, I only know him to see. Oh, oh I, see, I, there you go. Like, Michael Hayes, I think, would have been, like, a, a regular presence in the life of anyone involved with a league club in this country. And maybe wouldn't necessarily be as known to listeners or to, um, you know, sort of the, 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 the Twitter atty or the floating commentators. Uh, they might yeah. know the face. But like Michael Hayes was for years. And like, to be honest, we probably would have slagged off the, the fixture computer a bit on occasion because Michael Hayes was effectively the fixture computer himself. Now, he was actually grappling with, you know, when it came to fixture stuff, the issue, of course, was always the length of the season mm. by clubs. And it was his job to try and fit a schedule in around that. But also, like he was the stato for the league. It was a lovely piece. I draw people's attention to it. It was Matt Keane, uh, who's one of the local... He's basically a local journalist in Waterford who's, who can obviously write, but he's, I know him as local radio because he commentates in a lot of the games, but he's, he's actually just a sort of an everyman figure in Waterford uh, sports, football, media. And uh, he wrote a lovely piece about Michael Hayes going back to the 70s where they were Waterford supporters. They did the program for Waterford, the joy of waiting for the program to be printed on a, on a Friday evening, you know, and, and mm. like they were like childhood friends who, who, you know, grew up watching their club together. And Michael worked with the FEI since 2002. I knew him. I, I didn't know him as well probably as some others. I didn't have that regular stream of contact with him. Like, but he, any con- conversations I would have had with him would have involved him probably ringing to correct a sort of a factual thing that was wrong. And um, at the time I'd meet him, it would always be, I, I saw something in that piece the other day. Here's some stat or a piece of trivia or a piece of info. But like, I think probably the, the, the nicest tribute, and it feels actually inappropriate to sort of conflate the two, mm. but we're, we're obviously coming off the back of like a, you know, a very turbulent time for the FAI. Um, and you're talking about someone who's worked with the FAI for a long period of time. But when, when you think about people in the FBI who facilitated this and that, or, you know, they were there, and it wouldn't have even crossed my mind to think of Michael in those terms. He mm. was someone who was purely, that I could see anyway, and listening to, reading Matt Keane's tribute and so on, that he was someone who was just a, a football nerd, a football nut, just was genuinely there because he was really enthusiastic about games and fixtures and working out stats and records and history and stuff like that. And that was his investment with the game. It wasn't the other power play stuff or any of that. And by all accounts, the FEI staff, and I saw someone talk about this the other day, that during lockdown, like every, like every company, I suppose, well, actually not like every company, a lot of companies just like, you know, off you go. But some companies, um, you know, they, they had a Zoom call, I think on Friday, where the staff got together and Michael was the star of their FEI meetings and the show, you know, talking about that. So he's someone, and actually, we didn't mention this either last week as well. It's actually just been a, been a really, very tough time for people as well. We mm. should mention John Kennedy, the Cork City fan. Yeah, absolutely. Who, and, uh, my friend, Eva Manny, you have a beautiful tribute to him as well. Yeah, and it's a bit like, you know, it's a bit like the, the, the Harry Taft situation in Dundalk, that it's, it's only the people within the club who really 
get it, you know, that mm-hmm. they know how integral, you know, a personality is to the place. And like the outpouring from Cork City people around John's passing and from uh, the FAI people, I guess, in the football community around Michael Hayes, like it's, it's so cliche and maybe it sounds so glib, but like, you know, that no one has a bad word to say, but it's, it's true, you know, like it is true in these instances. So they are like, we have a sort of a community that's quite unique. Ah, there are two strong figures within it. And um, Michael obviously, yeah. sadly missed. Um, obviously native of Waterford if you actually want to view his funeral mass log you can um, view it on Thursday um, and that's just look up rip.ie and uh, there's uh, a tribute to Michael there just another member of the football family who's passed after a brief illness as well um, that's pretty much our lot Dan um, the, the fixtures Dan, yeah the fixtures this well, weekend, this weekend we've got weekend. so we've got Derry Waterford on Friday We've got Shamrock Rovers, Sligo Rovers on Friday. It's a big game. Jack Byrne involved before heading off international duty. Yeah, Cork against St. Pat's on Saturday. We've got Shells, Bowes, Dublin Derby on Saturday. And then Sunday, Dundalk against Finn Harps. And I guess um, the mood around that game will be very much uh, dictated oh, yeah. by, by what happens in that game. And, and even... Like the dogs still have a job to do to actually just get, make sure they get into Europe next year. I think they will when they get themselves together, but they're going to have a lot of games if they get through, uh, which is the one thing. First division, Drada Athlone on Friday, Wexford Utes against Shamrock 2. Shamrock, Shamrock 2, as they described them on Google, oh, clearly God. someone from Sligo are, they call them Shams 2 if they were Sligo on Google. UCD Bray, uh, and then on Saturday, Cove Rambers against Cabo. I'll be tuned in for the post match Cabo interviews for that. And then Longford Galway. Well, on it's, Saturday it's, as well. it's it's just class of Cove, such a small club, are, are banged there now, and that's a big game for Longford Galway. Um, that's that's obviously I don't know. It's been it's been a crazy season. I'm regretting that the fact that it's so short, but it's been brilliant in so many ways as well. Um, our just our thanks to sponsor Lotto Land. Dream big for your Euro Millions and Irish Lotto betting, but also check out. The top SEC or Tristy League in European qualifier marks at lotland.e forward slash sportsbook. I got a text yesterday. I, I don't know. I haven't uh, checked the odds in this uh, with Lotland. I got a text yesterday saying that Dundalk are 1-2 to two to win this game. And just to put that in very simple terms, there's a 1-3 in three chance, according to the bookies, they're not going to win. And Dan, that is it. It's not a formality for Dundalk. That's a good way of putting it. I think, you know, um, and, and you know as well, you just know, like, if, 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 if it turns out that... Uh, they win comfortably. It'll be obviously this. It'll be this. It'll be dismissed. Um, mm. It'll be dismissed in a sort of a, a, a casual way. Well, they only played a team from the Pharaohs, but um, there is a tendency, I think, you know, that with, with our clubs in Europe, that it, it's a classic. We want to we want them to do well, but then playing against a team and they're the better side, and it's like, oh, these obviously aren't that good. You know, like you have to sort of square. The, the the reality somewhere that there is an element of not making them look good as well too and I think over the years there's actually been a tendency to make some teams who aren't that good look very good as well um, how many times have we reflected on sides being knocked out of Europe and thinking oh yeah they're they're strong and then the next round they get they get pummeled you know so well, if, um, two of, if some of these so players are going to end up in two different European uh, group stages it's a hell of an achievement, uh, an amazing thing to tell the grandchildren. And certainly from a, from a perspective of being a Goal United League of Ireland fan, I sincerely will be praying and hoping that Dundalk do it on Thursday night. Uh, thanks to Colin Hawkins. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. I thought he spoke so much sense. Thanks to Casper as well for giving us the fair ease, just the, the opportunity to speak to these guys from these places. And you can imagine whatever the excitement is in Ireland for the fair ease to have this chance. Thanks also to Dan Kelly for talking to Dan, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.
But there are limits to your life. 